Okay, good morning. We are today going to focus on just the last couple of words of the of the Pasuk that we talked about the other day, uh, the other week, two weeks ago today. We didn't learn last week together. Um, this Pasuk is describing the situation, uh, the situation of the of the world before the Mabel. We've been learning that sugya of the situation of the world before the Mabel. And we talked last time about the first, first part of the Pasuk where it describes the giants that were in the land by Yom Mahem in those days and afterwards, Asher Yavayu B'neiho Elohim, Adam, that the children of Elohim or Elohim had a relationship with the daughters of man and they gave birth to them. They are the mighty ones, Asher Me'olam, that were from your Anshe Hashem, the people of name. These are the Nephilim. And if you remember last time, we talked about the idea, this idea, this concept of the giants, the concept of the enormous potential that could be expected of man because of the godly element which is put within him, and how it expresses itself in different ways. And uh, one of the, one of the uh, things we talked about, which I, I want to just review, especially for the sake of our discussion, we're going to move away from it for a little bit, but for the sake of our discussion, was where we talked about two different kinds of giants, two different kinds of greatness. Avram Avinu was recognized, uh, the Pasuk said, as we learned in Sefer Yeshua, it, it spoke about him as Ha'odam Ha'godol Ba'anokim, the man who was the greatest amongst giants. And it says that in the context of the city of Hebron, where they literally had the physical giants. Hebron was the city of the Kiras Arba, right? The, 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 the four people who were physical giants. And Avram was described as the giant amongst giants. But it's not because we believe that Avram Avinu was, you know, 100 feet tall. Not at all. But it is because we see in Avram a different kind of greatness. And that greatness we found that even the people of Hebron recognized. And that was a big tribute to them. Chazal say that why was it that Hebron, that Canaan as a whole, was given right? This is a, a medrash. I'm not going to belabor you with all of the fine points of it. We talked about it last time. But there's a medrash there which says that in that Pasuk where it describes the Adam HaGadol Ba'anokim, it then says, and the land was silent for 40 years, meaning the land was peaceful for 40 years after the conquest of Yeshua. But Chazal say that it was actually quiet for 40 years before Yeshua showed up there. Relative to Egypt that was destroyed 40 years earlier, Canaan got a 40-year respite until they were destroyed, even though the Pasuk puts in the same breath the evils of Mitzrayim and the evils of Canaan. Kemaser it's Mitzrayim, Kemaser it's Canaan. Right? The, the actions of Mitzrayim you shouldn't do, the actions of Canaan you shouldn't do. Why did Canaan deserve a respite? And what the Chazal say is because they gave Kavay to Avram Avinu and they said to him, You are a, a godly prince in our midst. And the honor which they gave to Avram Avinu got them that stay. And that that recognition of the godliness and the greatness of Avram Avinu, the ability that they, from their own stature, from their own greatness, were able to nevertheless move beyond that to appreciate the greatness of Avram Avinu was a big thing. Again, it's, you know, it's one thing for somebody who doesn't have any particular greatness to recognize a greatness of any kind. But a person who is so great and so accomplished in a certain realm to look towards somebody else whose greatness is in a completely different realm and to say, wow, that's, that's something big and that's something significant. And what we pointed out last time was that this was the very antithesis of Sodom. If Canaan generally was destroyed 40 years later, Sodom was destroyed many years earlier and way more dramatically. And to some degree... We, we suggested that's because Sodom Mamish didn't recognize Avram Avinu. They didn't recognize him when they saw him. I remember how we pointed out that the king of Sodom says to Avram Avinu, you take the money, I'll take the souls. Which is like crazy, right? To have somebody make such a statement 
to the spiritual father of the universe, you take the money, I'll take the souls. Right? So, you know, again, maybe it's, that's a little bit of a, we're, 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 we're taking it a little, a little uh, you know, beyond the simple meaning of it, but it's still, it's a shocking phrase. You take the money, I'll take the souls. And, you know, the idea was Saddam had, was there, they were around Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu lived there. He was, he, he, Avram Avinu moved after Saddam was destroyed because his Kirov efforts were focused on Saddam and the traffic in and out of Saddam. And now that Saddam was destroyed, he had to find a new place. And he had zero impression on this particular population. They had no recognition. They were not able to see beyond. That's what we... That's what we talked about, and we talked a little bit about how he got the title Nesia Kim was because of his because of the fact that he went to the battle on behalf of the people who were struggling, who, who, were, who, were, who were captive, on behalf of his relative, he went to the battle out of loyalty, and therefore he, in that sense, you know, stood as, as the giant among giants, the very opposite of the people we're talking about here. Who, who brought terrible things to bear. That's a, a, a brief review of what we talked about. What I want to focus here today with you is on the last phrase of the Pasuk, that it says that these people were always Anshe Hashem, the people of name, the people of note. What does that mean, that they were Anshe Hashem, the people of note? Anshe Hashem, no, no, normally, typically, and in this context as well, we would say means people of significance, of importance, of, of uh, repute, of significant, significant repute. Rashi says, and by the way, there's very, very little in the standard Rishonim. You know, when they talk about this pasuk, there's not a, there's not a a a, a, a ten a, 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 a tremendous amount of of uh, of discussion about it. There is some. There is some, but uh, but not a tremendous amount of discussion. It's in a certain sense that idea of Anshe Hashem speaks for, uh, speaks for itself. Rashi says, uh, we, we quote again, they, they fell and they brought the world down. It's a term for giants. I'll show you, but so again, while he speaks about them being fallen creatures, and we talked about that last time, uh, it's a term which is used for giants. They would give birth to other Anakim. And they were the Gibayrim, Limraid Bamakim, to rebel against Hashem. Anshe Hashem, Oison Shenikfu Beshemais, those who were known by name, says Rashi. Irod, Michuyoel, Mesushoel. Who are Irod, Michuyoel, Mesushoel? They were Kayan's descendants. They were Cain's descendants. Gimel Shenikru al Shem Ovdon. They're called on the name of their destruction. Shenimoichu. They were erased. Mechuyoel. Vuhutshu. They were cast aside or left alone. Dover Acher. So then says Rashi. Dover Acher. Anshe Shemomain. Sheshamamu Esoelam. Anshe Hashem is not referring to specific names, but it's referring to Shemama. Shame can mean shemama. Shemama means desolation, emptiness. Right? The desert is known as shemama. It's unsettled, uninhabitable. Wow, completely different translation. We're going to see that both of these pshatim of Rashi come from the Medrash Rabbah, right? which is there, I really should have put it as gimel, and then put the Gurari afterwards. But the, the Medrash Rabbah says as follows. Anshe Hashem. Omer Avacha. B'nei Novel. B'nei Novel. Gam b'nei b'li Shem. The Pesuk in Eov refers to b'nei Novel. Children of the Novel. Gam b'nei b'li Shem. The people without name. Niku min ha'aretz. You could look at the quote of the, of the Pesuk below. Uh, right below from Eov Perkalamid. Nikum in arts means basically that they were destroyed from the face of the of the earth. And therefore, because the Pusik speaks about this, so it's understood, and this is what the commentaries on the Medrash say, is that this Pusik is actually a reference to the Darhamabul. Not 
when you read the, the Pesach over there, it's not specifically about that particular generation as opposed to anybody else, but it's people believe shame that are destroyed from the face of the earth. And here we're describing the people who would be destroyed from the face of the earth, the people who are the triggers of the Mabul, as Anshe Hashem. So it's kind of ironic that here we call them Anshe Hashem in setting up the destruction, and there we call them Belishem, nameless. That's the problem which the Medrash poses. Nice problem, oh. says the Medrash. The term shame, this is the source for the second shot which Rashi brings. The term shame in our Pasuk in Bereshis refers to shmoma, to desolation, to destruction. They themselves caused the world to be destroyed. They themselves were destroyed from the world. They caused the world to be destroyed, to be left desolate. They, that's how we call them Zanshe Shem. They're truly Anshe Belishem. They have no name. They have no trace. When we say they have shame, and it's a Hebrew word, that means that they have shmama, that they brought along, they brought into the world destruction. That's what they, that's what they did. That's the first pshat. Rav Levi b'shem Rav Shul bar Nachman Omar. He says a different pshat. Anoshim shenisparshu shmoisan lamala. Anshe Hashem is people whose names have been mentioned earlier. The Omar of Yehuah ben Levi. Kol Hashem is halol uloshen maridoisein. All of those names that were given to the children of Cain, they're all terms of mardus. Mardus is like, again, rebellion, punishment for rebellion. Irad is ordan animina oilam. I'm going to empty them from the world. I'm going to erase them from the world. I'm going to, again, cause them to be removed from the world. Lemech is Lamach. Like, why do I need these? Why do I need these people and their offspring? The generations of Cain, their names literally spelled destruction. They were doomed to be destroyed in the Mabul. Anshe Hashem is, they carried this name in them from before. Their names were names of destruction. That's the first pshat which Rashi brought. Anshe Hashem refers to these names that this generation carried. And let us then do the third pshat in the Medrash. And then we're going to peel back a little bit to try to explore what this means. Machloikas is as difficult as the generation of the Mabul. It calls them here the Anshe Hashem. And there's another place in the Torah where it says that. Where is that? In the beginning of Parshas Kairach. They were people who were called for meetings. They were Anshe Hashem. They were the people of name, people of note. Just like the Anshe Hashem that refers to there are parties to argument, here too it's the same thing. The people who are mentioned are called Anshe Hashem. It's also people of Machlaikas. Both are the... both. both both are are the are 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 situations of machlekes. Now, that's very nice. It's not news to us, right? Remember when Rashi, which we discussed as Rashi before, that the downfall of the Darhamabul was because there were people of machlekes. The Rashi, in the end of Parshas Noach, where it speaks about the Darhaflaga, there it says. They were waging war against the Rabbeinu Shalalam, but they weren't destroyed, they were just scattered. And here, by the Dara Mabul, where they were stealing, we dis- it seems to be less, but they were destroyed. From here you see that Sonoya Machlaikas Vagodal Ashalim. Machlaikas is despised, peace is great. And the people of the Dara Flaga, they got together to do something, whereas the people of the Dara Mabul were involved in Machlaikas.
So this medrash is making the same point, that the term anshe shame or anshe hashem, medrash is not distinguishing between the two of them, is a term which was associated with machlokes. By Korach, it's associated with machlokes. And so when it's used by the Mabul, it is also associated with machlokes. So we have three things in the Medrash about Anshei Shem. The first one is Anshei Shem. They're not Anshei Shem. They're the opposite of Anshei Shem. They're people of Shmama, of destruction. The second one is Anshei Shem, is that there were names which were given to people, and those names implied that they were headed towards destruction. Very midrashic. And the third one, just note that Anshe Shem is a term which is used in the context of Machlaikas, in the context of argument. That's the, that's the, the Medrash. So let's start in the analysis of this Medrash in the middle. In the middle. And that is the pshat about the ones whose names were mentioned, the most midrashic of them all. And we look at what the Maral says on this Rashi, on this part of the Rashi about the Medrash, and how he explains it. Says the Maral, You can't call them Anshe Shem because, as the Pasuk refers to them, is their people without name. Okay, so... The, what the Maral is doing is he's adding the context which Rashi didn't. You know, some the person wrote a book, What's Bothering Rashi? You know, right? Rashi's, when he says something, he's coming to Bavorn, he's coming to address something. So what's he, when he's quoting this Medrash, what's he coming to address? So Maral says what he's coming to address is the what is the preamble of the Medrash. The problem the Medrash has with calling them Anshe Shem is that in the Pasuk, they seem to be referred quite as the opposite, referred to quite as the opposite of Anshe Shem. So it must mean something else, and that's why we have this Midrashic interpretation. And the term Anshe Hashem is difficult. Right? If it's Asher Niklu I say that their names were mentioned. They are people of those names. It's not just that they were named. Their name was their essence. And that's why they're called people of the name. Continues the Maral. It seems to be said, Like a significant person is called a Baal Shem. His greatness, his significance are indicative of who he truly is, which is him. And a shame, a name is supposed to capture the essence. The destruction which met these people was not incidental. They did something wrong, they got destroyed. They were destruction itself. They were essentially connected to destruction. And that's why their name spelled destruction. Because their essential name included, that's why they're called Anshe Hashem. They weren't destroyed, right? You know, people will always say, you know, he's not bad. He just did something bad. Right? You've heard that? And sometimes that's, of course, very, very true. Good people do bad things. When we stand up in Yom Kippur, we say, This was incidental to us. It's something which we see as being on the surface. That's why you can wipe it off. That's what Kippur means, wipe it off. It's not the essence of who we are. We say on Yom Kippur, we are not chet. We did some chetoyim. We're not bad boys. We did something bad. But these people were bad boys. They weren't people who were destroyed. They were people who were destruction. Their name carried it because of that. And I think if we want to understand what the Maral is saying in this Medrash, it doesn't just mean, hey, by the way, if these are the Anshe Shem, can you remember those cute names they had before? They all implied destruction. What it's saying, really, you'll see it there. 
the, that those names carried with them a connotation of destruction is the symptom of it. But when it's saying they're anshe shame, it's that that's what they were. This destruction, which is going to be meted out to them in the Dora Mabel, it's because that is the essence of their character. And let's try to explain that a little bit. If you recall, one of the core discussions we've had in Bereshus, going back to creation and to Chet and to all of that, is that we understand when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the creator of life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu generates the world. There wasn't anything there before and he made it. He brought life to people. He created a world that generates life, that produces beautiful plants and everything else that sustain life. There was a moment in time when man went and introduced death to the world. He ate from the etadas, which brought death, which brought mortality to the world. And when he brought mortality to the world, so he was actually taking a reverse direction of the Rebansham. That's the way we described it. And we said, that's why, if you look at it, what happens as a result of the sin is that the woman's production of life, which is literally production of life, becomes something difficult. It's very hard to produce life. When you become an agent of bringing death into the world, you, you can't just you know, shift gears on your transmission and then just be an easy generator of life. You've made it harder for you to be a generator of life. Adam the man also has to produce michya, that which sustains life. He doesn't produce babies, like, you know, he's not the land that produces babies, but he's, his job is to go out and to till the soil and to produce things from it. And what's he told? It'll be increasingly hard for you to produce bread, that which is providing life for people. Because what you've done is, you've taken a world, which was all about giving life, giving life, producing life, and instead, you've brought into it mortality, death, the negative things. And therefore, life production becomes an uphill battle on every front. These people, Cain, of course, is, continues that trajectory when he commits murder. And that again, that's mamish, it's the antithesis of the way the Rabbanisha made people to be. But Selim Aleichem is to be in the image of God, to be life-generating creatures. Everything is about life. The Torah is about Eitz Chaim Hilamachazikim, but it's a tree of life for those who hold on to it. And those who grasp instead on death, on destruction, it's not a little thing. They're mamish, they're reversing the, 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 the course of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Bria. And the we discussed this idea most recently when I shared with you with you the idea which, which we shared as a very central idea, which was that, remember, there are two streams of creation that exist when, by the time we get to the Mabel. There's the Cain stream and there's the Chase stream. Right? Hevel was killed, no children. Cain and Chase. Now, Cain had children and he had a grandchild, Lemech. Right? And Lemech had children, including Tuval Cain. Tuval Cain was the one who improved on the trade of Cain, which is no compliment. He created weapons of even individual destruction. He sharpened Nechayshah, Subarzel, copper and iron to make it into tools of weaponry that would be able to, in a more sophisticated way, wreak havoc and destruction on the world. And then there was the Lemech, who was the child of Shes. Shes is the foundation of the world of building. And that Lemech had, another, had a child named Noach. And Noach also, he, he created tools for the world out of metal. What were they? The plows, the things that would allow life to come from the world, instead of driving life from the world. Those are, those are the two opposite directions. They're the two opposite directions. And those who are to be destroyed... They're Anshe Hashem. They're people who, their essence, they have corrupted the essence of what a human being is supposed to be. They are destruction. 
And we can say, that's the notion of nephilim. Nephilim is those fallen beings from what man was supposed to be to nothing. And if I may add something, which I think is very significant, nice, subtle, and significant. What's the Pasuk in Eov? B'nai novel, gam b'nei shame. I think this Pasuk is a raya to the Ramban. I want to, excuse me for a second while I get up and find for you the Ramban. The Ramban in Parshas Hazinu. I've mentioned this Ramban to you already, but this Pasuk Mamish, Mamish brings it out. Ramban in Parshas Hazinu, the, the Pasuk in Hazinu sometimes refers to us as an Am novel, a people who are novel, right? Rashi says, Sheshach Latev Shoslem. Ingrates, we forgot the goodness, the kindness which was which was done to us. <coughs> the Ramban says as follows: It is possible that a novel is called this, because he's fallen from people. The term noivelas interchanges with the term noivelas. A mace is called an avela. It's called an avela because it falls, it collapses to the ground. So again, it's referring to us as fallen creatures, as lacking the life which we were given. Nefel, novel. Here it's referring to the generation of the Mabu in the Pasuk in Eov, according to the Medrash, and refers to them as B'nai novel. What do we refer to them as here? B'nai nephilim. Same comparison. Novel, nefel. Fallen. And the real fall is described by Anshe Hashem. Right? By that, that essence of their name, as we see their name spelled destruction. Their essence was destruction. And what I would like to suggest to you is that this is not fundamentally different. It's different in the usage, but it's not fundamentally different than the first shot in the Medrash, which says that shame over here means shmama. Shmama, they're people of destruction. They're people of emptying the world. Instead of HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave a world, he said, Pru urvu umilu be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. These people were the destroyers of the earth. Okay. But let's think further into this first part of the Medrash, where it says that they're people of Shmama. And that's cute and clever. Shame, shmama, okay, it really means shmama. Come on, everybody reads it, Anshe Hashem, as people of name. Shmama has as its root shame. Why is that? What's the relationship of those two terms in Lashon HaKadosh? And this seems very much to be a, an example of that which is a feature of Lashon HaKadosh. And that is that a word means something and its opposite. Rashi brings this principle in Chumash several times. Right? L'sharesh can mean to root or to uproot. Whenever I say over this Rashi, I say over the very funny thing that I heard from Herschel Bohm, who said that when they moved from Jack's into Seven Mile Market and they opened a new league, like the first week a lady came to return a jar of olives. I said, what's wrong? She said, it says right here that these are pitted olives. I went through the whole jar. There wasn't one pit. <laughs> <laughs> Right? 
olives. So like pitted olives, it sounds like it that there are pits in it, but it means that the pits are taken out of it, right? To root could mean to take root, and when you root something, you also right, it's to uproot. L'sharish, shame and shmama are opposites. You know the pasuk says, l'mashal, in the haftarah that we read every tanis tzibur. Right? They're sarisim. They're not able to produce. They're not able to produce children. But because they're observing my Shabbos, etc., and they're holding up to unto my covenant, I, I'm going to give them a shame oilam. An eternal name, Yod Vashem. Right? Shame is the antithesis of emptiness. Right? When we say the person's going to have a shame alum, what does that mean? It means they leave a permanent impression as opposed to Shmama, which is emptiness. There's nothing here to be shown for it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you can do that. Right? The Chafetz Chaim wrote a sefer called Shame Alam. What was the purpose of the Sefer? To tell people how, without children, they can leave an incredible imprint on the world. Shame Eilam, Shmama. And by the way, it's an interesting thing. The way people think of their descendants as carrying on for them is because they carry on their name. They carry on their name. And we name people after those who came before us so that they continue to exist by the shame by the name. But that's what it is. And it's the very opposite of Shemama. And that's why the name, in a certain sense, means the same thing. Yes, they're Anche Shemama. But one second, it's still, it's still funny. I mean, that's not the way you read Anche Shem. But you know, this is an incidence of the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Meaning, yeah, they were big shots. Then a feeling were anche shame. They thought the world of themselves. And that itself guaranteed that they were anche shemama. What does the Mishnah tell us? A person who runs after kavod, the kavod runs away from him. Nagid Shema, Avad Shema. That's a mission in Pirkei Avis. It's one of the few phrases in Pirkei Avis which are in Aramaic. What does it mean, Nagid Shema? The person grows their name, Avad Shema. Their name will be lost. These were the Anshe Hashem. They were full of themselves. And so they were doomed for destruction. And I want to show this to you as we go along over here. First, just push it simply. The people of Kairach. And shame. Shame is machlaikas. What what's 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 machlekes? What was that machlekes built upon? Everyone seeking a more important, more significant position. That was what the machlekes of Kairach was absolutely about. There's no question. That was the core of the machlekes of Kairach. They were seeking significance, and the destruction which they met was total. But you know. That's that's it. You know, the person enters the competition for significance, personal significance, and that could be the recipe for personal destruction. That's the way it was in the case of the Mabel. It was these Nephilim who were Anshe Hashem who created the problem. But let's look a little bit ahead to the end of not Parshas Bereshis, but the end of Parshas Noyach.
to that story of comparison, which in a certain sense is much better than the Dharamabal, because in the case of the Dharamabal, as we said, they were arguing with each other, but in the case of the Tower of Bavel, they were unified with each other. It was not a case of internal machlekes on earth. But it's mamish a case of shame, anshe shame. The Pasuk says that that was their failure. What does the Pasuk say? And they said, We're going to build for ourselves a city, and a tower, with its head in the heavens. Now here, by the way, is a very interesting irony. This is the next major destruction after the Mabel. The first destruction of the Mabel was about people who were very tall. Their heads were in the heavens. Rashi says that the term Anak, which is a term for a giant, is also a term for a necklace. Because it looks when you look up, you think that the sun is their necklace. They like you see the sun you know, against them, they're so tall. By the time of the Dharamabu, they were tall people. By after the Dharamabu, they weren't tall people. But they said, we're not so tall, but we can build tall buildings. Interesting. Interesting. But listen to what it, then it says. Vinasa lanu shame. And we will make for ourselves a name. Lest we be scattered upon the face of the earth. Now, Parenthetically, you'll decide how to use this, how to understand this. But one of the big tainas, one of the big claims against the Dora Mabel was, the Dora Flog, excuse me, was that they were leaving most of the world desolate. They gathered in one place. They clustered in one place. They created skyscraper. They created downtown tall buildings. When you look from the airplane at downtown tall buildings, you see all the neighbors all surround it. They, were all, they wanted it to be a rallying point. They didn't want to spread out, even though Hashem said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. They wanted to leave the earth shmam, desolate. So that's interesting, that they're called Anshe Shem. But the Pasuk said they wanted to make for themselves a name. Vinasalonu Shem. We want to make for ourselves a name. Now, we know the Dor Hamabul, the Dor Haflaga, were waging war against the Rabbanisham. That's the way Chazal described what was happening over here. And the way that's expressed is they're making for themselves a name. They were the Gibayrim. The first time the Torah says Gibayrim is here. When's the next time the Torah speaks about Gibayrim? It speaks about Nimrod, who was a Gibor Tzayid, Lifnei Hashem. What does it mean a gibor tzayid lifnei Hashem? A brave hunter before God. Doesn't sound so terrible, but Chazal understand that what that means was that he was a mighty, resistant fighter of God. And that was the building of the Tower of Bavel, which was, his name was Nimrod, it was, that he was bringing the world into rebellion. What did Rashi say? Hagibayrim limroid bamokem. Over here, Rashi says they were the gibayrim to rebel against the rabbi Nishlelem. Anshe shame. So let's get a little deeper here. Are you okay to get a little deeper? Yes. Yes. Do you know any malachim? Trick question. <laughs> yeah, it was. Do you know the names of any malachim? Shem Hashem Alekei Yisrael. By the name of Hashem, the God of Israel. Mimini Michael. Umismaili Gabriel. Milfanai. It's an interesting thing about these malachim. Do you know any malachim whose last name isn't Kel? Sorry, I skipped. It's always with Kel. Why, why does their name always have Kel in it? Do you know why? 
Because Malachim are people with a defined mission by the Rabbani Shalom. They have no self. They're defined by the mission that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives them. They spend their lives, whatever that means, fulfilling the mission of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It makes sense that their name has in it Kale. That's who they are. They have no self. This morning, Yudav and Shachris, you said Kedusha. What did you say in Kedusha? We want to make your name, Hashem, sacred in the world. Like they do in heaven. Like the angels do in heaven, we want to do on earth. In Kedusha, we say we want to do like the angels. Right? That's why we bounce up on, our, on the balls of our feet. We want to be like the angels. We're trying to right, take off. We stand with our feet straight. We stand with, you know, like Malachim. All these things is to be like Malachim. And it's, a, it's a specific. We're invoking the Malachim in Kedusha. And what do we say? We want to make your name sacred in the world. Not we want to make our name. We want to, our mission is to make your name sacred in the world. Yes? And we want to be like Malachim. We don't want to be people with our own ish mission. I shouldn't say that. With our own agenda, with a self-aggrandizing thing. We want to be here to sanctify Hashem's name in the world. That's the purpose of humanity. That's the purpose of Klal Yisrael. That's what Chazal say. The Ramam brings it in the Sefer HaMitzvah by the Mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. That Kiddush Hashem is the grand charge and responsibility of the Jewish people. The Pasuk says Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim in order to sanctify His name in the world. Not ours, not to make ourselves famous, but to sanctify Hashem's name in the world. That's what we are here for. So we say we have a great model, and those are the malachim. They're selfless. They're here to sanctify Hashem's name in the world. We want to do the same. So, first of all, let us suggest parenthetically a subject which we've been trying very hard to stay away from avoiding at every turn. And that is the Chazal, which even Rashi alluded to and the other Rishayim alluded to, which is that what was going on here, these strange, large children, the Bnei Ho'elekim, Bnei Sadam, was the angels who were having relations with women. And that's why they had all these amazing, strange children, right? Bnei Uzav, Azoel, all kinds of Chazal, and let's speak about it. Hmm. When the angels lose their direction. <laughs> Even the angels lose their direction. Our model of Kiddush Hashem is to be creatures with no self-mission, just a mission of promoting Hashem's presence in the world. When the angels, who that is to be their essence, when they fall, that's part of the world falling. <clears throat> Okay, it's still, we're still avoiding it. I'm going to end the discussion of that here because how do angels lose, lose their direction? It's a great question. And that's, again, it's beyond what we're going to discuss here, at least now. But that's part of it. But let's go one step further. A posuk in Parshas Vayishlach. Vayatsev Shom And Yaakov built there a Mizbeach. Vayikroloi, and he called it Kale Eloike Yisrael. God, the God of Israel. Everyone struggles with what on earth this means. Why are you calling the Mizbeach God? So there are many different aspects. Pshatim, right? Rashi brings, the Ramban quotes here, Rashi, It's not that he's calling the Mizbeach God. He's calling out Hashem's name to remember the miracle that Hashem performed him so when you say the Mizbeach, you say God to, 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 to remember Hashem and his action, etc. But then Ramban brings, Rabbi Seinu Darshu, but Chazal Darshan. Listen to this. Gemara and Megillah, 
שהקדוש ברוך קורא ליעקב קהל, השם קולד יעקב קהל. ויקרא לו קהל, אלוהי קהל ישראל. וגד אב ישראל רפר תהם אז, אז קהל. רפר תיעקב אז קהל. ודיבר תרי כפתי שפי תצלו. ורמב"ן אומר, the words of the Torah, like a rock is shattered by a hammer, there are so many different pshatim. So he leaves it for there. He bring, he, that's all quote of Rashi, excuse me. And then the Ramban goes on to discuss this. And then in the last paragraph on your page, Valderach HaEmes, who committed Rabbi Seinu. In the way of mysticism, we should understand it like the Gemara says in Megillah. Hashem referred to Yaakov as God. V'yesh v'inin hazeh soid gadol. And in this matter, there's a great secret. It was mentioned in the Medrash. You are the God up there, I am the God down here. It, this hints to what is always said. The image of Yaakov is engraved upon Hashem's throne. The presence of Hashem is there in Eretz Yisrael, one who is wise will understand. So that doesn't include me. I can't explain that. But the depths of what he's saying. But what is he saying? Yaakov is called Kale. What does that mean? Yeah, we say it on Yom Kippur, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Ushmenu Karasa Bishmecha. There was a certain point in time where Yaakov got a new name. What was it? Yisrael, the name of a Malach. The name of a Malach. By the way, it was the name which was given to him by a Malach first. And when people looked at him and they were afraid, the Pesach says over there, right? when they looked at him and they were afraid, that was when Hashem gave him the name Yisrael. The nations of the world will see the name of Hashem upon you, which Chazal say that refers to the tefillin, and they will be fearful of you. So it means as you put on the tefillin, if I take them off, suddenly they're not? No, it's supposed to be that the name of Hashem is in you, which is the very opposite of making for yourself a name. So let's just take quickly two notes of Oymek, two notes of depth in this, which are striking and amazing. Number one is that in Chazal's conception of things, there was one person who succeeded in getting us back to the way man was supposed to be. Before man's sin, before Cain's sin, before Noach's sin, or the generation of Noach, who's that? Yaakov. The Gemara says that until Yaakov, there was still Zuama, there was still corruption of the sin in the Jewish people. That's why Avram had a child, Yishmoel. Don't blame it on Hagar alone. That's why Yitzchak had a son, Esav. Yaakov, mitasai shlema. He had 12 sons, they all were part of the Jewish people. Why? Because when Yaakov was born, paska zuama sanachash, the corruption of sin was gone from the Jewish people. It's Yaakov Avinu who gets the name of Hashem called upon him. Ben Elohim is back. Son of God is back. Instead of Ben Isa Adam, instead of making for yourself a name, Adam would be the name of man himself, independent of God. Ben Elohim, Israel. That is the association of man with God. That's with Yaakov, you know. That's why Yaakov, you know, is called by the name of Hashem. The very antithesis of Inasalanu Shem. It's true that the Dara Flaga were smart enough and practical enough not to argue with each other. Because they knew that working together they would accomplish more. But they were people of argument. They were there to divide themselves from the Rabbani Shalom, to make for themselves a name and to carve out the world as a world separate from Hashem. Oh, ultimately they would divide. Hashem didn't even have to blow winds really for them to divide. 
Because when your core is rebelling against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then of course you're going to be divided. You know what they say on the Mishnah and Pirkei Avis? The Mishnah and Pirkei Avis says the following thing. There's a machlekes l'shem shamayim, and there's a machlekes shalai l'shem shamayim. What's a machlekes l'shem shamayim? Is a machlekes of Hillel and Shamay. What's a machlekes shalai l'shem shamayim? Not for the is kairach v'adosai. So everyone asks, what do you mean? Hillel versus Shammai, Kairach versus Moshe. Not Kairach Vadosai, not Kairach and his community. So of course the simple shot is, we're not going to say Kairach and Moshe was Shalai L'Shem Shammayim, because only Kairach was Shalai L'Shem Shammayim. Right? So let's just say Kairach. So what's written in many, many, many Mephorshim is, even Kairach Vadosai. Because it just so happens that when they had a common enemy, who was Moshe Rabbeinu, they joined together. But they were fundamentally at odds with each other because they were about gaining prominence. <laughs> so, Moshe threatens us? Right now, Moshe threatens us. Tomorrow, Kairach takes over, Kairach threatens us. The, the next day, Kairach's deposed, the next one threatens us. If this is about getting for myself a name, there is no end to the Machlaikas. And that's Poshut. And that's why Migdal Bovel, it wasn't that Hashem went around and he said, you know, Shem, you, I don't understand you. First, on one moment, you praise them for getting together, and then what do you do? You break them up. Doesn't make sense. No, it does make sense. They deserve credit for being mature enough to get together even for a nefarious purpose. To realize there's value in being together no matter what. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, something to be saluted in that. But was Hashem breaking up something that wasn't going to break up? Come on. He just said, let's break it up now before they do too much damage together. He wasn't fundamentally changing something that was going to be this wonderful, harmonized society. Like the United Nations. <laughs> So you understand, and that's, by the way, why the expression of the wholeness of Yaakov Avinu is that all of his children are part of the Jewish people. There's nobody excluding anybody else. And that's why, of course, we just read Parshas Vayeshev, and next week we're reading Parshas Miketz. The, what nearly exploded was that kind of division within the Jewish people, which is, again, Nasa Lanu shame, competition for leadership, we're here about the Rabbanu Shalom. Yosef's solution to that problem is, it's not me, it's the Rabbanu Shalom. It's the Rabbanu Shalom. And when Yaakov Avinu is cured, it's because it's not about him, it's about the Rabbanu Shalom. And then we sanctify Hashem's name, we carry Hashem's name in the world. That's the cure. And the second point, which I just wanted to make, is that we say Kedusha, when we say we want to be like the Malachim, in the bracha of Yaakov Avinu. Everybody knows the first bracha of Shemana Esrei is Avram Avinu's bracha, because we say Magen Avraham. Well, Chazal tell us the second bracha of Shemana Esrei is Yitzchak's bracha. Mechaya Mesim, who brought the dead back to life. You know when that was said? That was said by the Akedah, when Yitzchak came back from the Akedah. Atogibar lo'elam Hashem, Yitzchak is gvura. The third bracha is Yaakov Avinu's bracha. Why? Chazal say, well, first of all, they say that the bracha was said over Yaakov Avinu, Baruch Hashem HaKil HaKadosh, was said over Yaakov Avinu, I think by the Chalayim, by the dream, I'm not sure, I don't, I'm not remembering right now, could be over here, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering clearly. But they say, the post says, V'ikdishu es Kedosh Yaakov. Hashem is referred to as Kedosh Yaakov. And this bracha is Ata Kedosh. V'shimcha Kedosh. U'kedosh yimcha'yim, Baruch Hashem HaKel HaKedosh. Yaakov Avinu is Kedosh. And Yaakov Avinu is associated with Malachim. There's no one else amongst the Avais that's constantly encountering Malachim. Yaakov Avinu is always encountering Malachim. 
The Malachim are there by the sheep. The Malachim are there. He sends messengers to Esav. No, they were really Malachim. He wages war with a Malach. Yaakov Avinu is in the league of Malachim. And by the way, his name is Yisrael, which is like Michael and Gabriel and Raphael and Ariel. Because he's a man whose mission is not his own name. His mission is Mekadosh Hashem Chavu'elam. Anshe Hashem are Anshe Shmama. People who are trying to make a name for themselves are guaranteeing themselves destruction. The world was made to make Hashem's name great in the world. When you try to make your own name great in the world, Forget about it. Oh, you'll ask me a question. When Hashem appears to Avram, he says, I'll make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I'll make your name great. Sounds like a bad idea. Well, first of all, maybe now you can understand Rashi, who says, Because Yaakov would be called Israel. Hashem's name would be in it. But I'll just also just refer you very, very simply to what the Ramban says over there. And he says, I don't get it. I don't understand. We don't know who Avram is. We're not told in the Pasuk what he did, what he didn't do. Nothing of this are we told. And it says, Avram, Hashem comes to Avram, he says, you know, go to this land, and I'm going to make you a big nation. I'm going to Like, why is he promising all this reward just for going to Eretz Yisrael? Like, we don't know anything. Says Ramban, you have to understand. That Avram Avinu had one mission in his life. And his mission in his life was to teach people about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. <clears throat> And in the land of Nimrod, he wasn't being successful at it. For teaching people about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what did you get? The microwave. That's what happened to Avram. You know, he got thrown into the Kivshan Aish. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to him, Avram, get out of Dodge. Go to the land of Canaan. In the land of Canaan, you're going to be called in a sea like him. You're going to be listened to, respected. The association you will have with God. Yes, in a sea like him was with Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu's name was made great. How was his name made great? People didn't say, wow, Avram. They said, there is a man of God. And says the Ramban, when HaKadosh Baruch was promising this, he's not promising him rewards. These aren't rewards. They're tools. They're saying, Avram Avinu, if you are a fugitive from justice, your message doesn't get out. But if you go there, you are going to flourish. You're going to become large in number. You're going to become wealthy and prominent. You're going to become famous. Avram said, I'm so glad I'll be famous. Yes, he did. He said, I'm so glad I'll be famous because then you know what's going to happen? Everything I do, people will watch and listen to. I don't want to be famous for my sake. I want to be famous because I have a mission. I have a message. I have something called Vayikra B'Shem Hashem, teaching people about the name of Hashem. And the louder my voice is, the more people will learn about Hashem. The bigger my name is, the more people will learn about Hashem's name. And that's the mission and that's the story. And the fallen giants are the people who inflated themselves so high and built for themselves towers with their name associated with it, which is the recipe for destruction and desolation. Okay. Next time, we will go on to the next Pasuk. I would just end and say, I'm sorry. I know this is the ending after the ending. But what are we going to say starting tonight? Alanisim.
haru yang dalam nisim. Ulecha asisa Hashem gadol v'kadosh be'lamecha. To you, Hashem, for you, Hashem, you made your name a great and holy name in the world. Which, by the way, is what we pray for every single day, numerous times. Yiskadal v'yiskadash shemei rabba. May Hashem's name be great and holy. Agadla shemecha eleke Yaakov, kedosh Yaakov, gedula, kedusha, the filling of Hashem's name in the world. That's what's about. We should be zeichet to be marbe and kvayt shemayim to add to the honor of Hakadosh Baruch Hu to make His name known in the world. Amen. Amen.